Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 56 of Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze. I am your host, Jeremy Vilmer, and it's time to freak out, freak out, freak out, and welcome the star of the show, Bobby Blaze. Hey, freak show! You're going nowhere. I've got you for three minutes. Three minutes of playtime! Oh, yeah. Bones all McGraw, baby. You mm-hmm. were talking about freak time, man. What about that? The macho man in Spider-Man. Hey, Jeremy, it's good to be back, man. Thanks, thanks, thanks. Absolutely. Just a good show. I, I just watched that movie a week or two ago with my grandson, because that's like his favorite oh. movie. Yeah. That's neat, man. Yeah. I'll yeah. tell you what, that one joke, like, nice outfit did your husband buy it for you, did yeah. not age well. Did not uh, age well. I thought that, too. I thought that, too, man. Yep, I see that now, and I'm just like, ooh, yeah, not mm, bad look, <laughs> bad look, guys. Sure thing, man. You been doing all right? I've been doing all right. How about you? Yeah, doing good, man. I'm excited about this week's episode because you kind of caught it off the cuff the way it's supposed to be called. We was in the middle of a podcast. You said, Bobby, I think we got to do 10 reasons. Of course, there'll be many more than 10 reasons why we love the Macho Man, and, and here we are doing it now. So had plenty of time to prep for it, and, and I think this is a great topic to, to start with, uh, kind of easing back into our top 10 list sometimes, you know. It's yeah. just uh, so, so good when you got someone good to work with, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, you know, this is one of those things we always run into. It's like, oh, how could you forget this? Guys, we have we have to call it 10 somewhere. We, we yeah. can't do our top 10,000. So, you know, <laughs> that is what we're going to do. But before we get started, Bobby, why don't we real quick talk about a couple cool things that people can buy, and then we will talk about the Macho Man. Okay, yeah. You know what? We got the Pin Me, Pay Me t-shirt with the blaze on it. You can get that at tinyurl.com backslash pin me shirt i don't even own one of these i've seen you own one and text does and i'm going to get me one and i know a couple people hit me up on twitter and they said they're going to get them one as well guys on that t-shirt we get about four bucks we have to buy it about three ways we're not trying to pick your pocket or anything we're just saying hey here's a way to help help this show if you enjoy the belt to belt bobby blaze podcast here's a way to do it you can go to tinyurl.com backslash pin me pay me shirt but here's something new that the professor put up here, and I think you fans are going to dig it. He found the purple Macho Man T-shirt with the black uh, sunglasses, the, the iconic purple, black. It's just great. And you can get that if you want to help the show. Hell, I might have to get me a Macho Man T-shirt, too. I don't know. But you go to Macho Man. Okay, here it is. It's tinyurl.com backslash BB Macho Man. It's that simple, man. I think the T-shirts run you around 20 bucks, something like that. The show gets a little bit of kickback out of it, and you help sponsor the podcast, and we appreciate it very much. Again, you can get the Pin Me, Pay Me shirts at tinyurl.com backslash pin me shirt, or you can get the Macho Man shirt. And this one I've got to get wrestling fans right here, tinyurl.com backslash BB Macho Man. Go get you a T-shirt, man. Help support the show. Yeah. More more importantly, you know, we've lost much, what, six years ago now, seven years ago? And uh, we got to keep his memory alive. You know? That's right, man. That's right. And put them, put these podcasts out. We, you know, people like you and Tex and myself and a lot of old school fans. We got to keep some of these stories alive and, and keep these guys' names out there. You know, because uh, sadly, more and more of them are passing away or have passed away. And uh, this is the way that you know, whether you listen to the podcast or. Uh, hey Tex, how are you, buddy? Give him a shout out real mm-hmm. quick. He put something up on YouTube, and it kind of keeps these guys going because some of the categories, like Jeremy and myself, do we think outside the box and put some stuff up on there that you know when 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 it gets to Tex, it's something different than when you're looking for a list and always comes up to the same you know two or three 
people doing the same top tens or two or three people doing, you know, one list from one company. We just get out there and put a little bit of everything, you know, uh, try to steer away from what everyone else is doing. We do something a little bit different and, you know, categorize things different too. So that's a, that's a good thing, man. That said, Jeremy, let's start off with number 10 reason why we love the Macho Man. Well, number 10, and this is an easy one right here, the big elbow drop from the top rope. That move was incredible. Uh, we talked about this real briefly a week or two back. That yeah. guy would fling himself all the way across a 20-foot ring and yeah. be able to pinpoint drop his ass on top of anybody <laughs> anywhere. He was like yeah. a, a laser-guided missile. That was an incredible yeah. elbow drop. Man, I just closed my eyes and see that now. You're right. It was like a missile drop, man, the way he come in. He pinpointed it. You know, he got some great height and distance. And that mm-hmm. was the thing. It wasn't like he just went up top and a guy's laying. And I've been right there where someone will put you right below the ropes, and they go up and they do something and come down on you like a 450 or whatever they're doing nowadays. He would put you across the ring, three-quarters of the way across the ring, and he would get great height in that, you know, hell – you know, in the middle of the ring, he's reaching peak height before he starts descending down. Like you said, like that dropped a damn missile bomb out of the air, man, and just hit it every damn time. Stick it, boom! So he got the height and the distance, and that was the thing of beauty, man. And that that I don't think anyone has ever done the elbow drop from the top in the way he manipulated it. when he get up on top there and have all the fans. You know, you put his hands up. Oh and, yeah. Uh, everyone's right there with it, knowing what's coming, man. Knowing what's coming. And then to see it so picture perfect, and, and then, of course, after that, it's the one, two, three, lights out, baby. The macho man's going to get his hand raised. Mm-hmm. Uh, a tremendous finish, you know, for, for anyone at that level because of the TV exposure, which we'll be talking about. To have that kind of a big finish when you know, okay, here it is, because it's what he does. When he goes to the, when it's the guy's positioned over here, he goes to a far corner and he puts some hand. You know what's going to happen. And you, you, even though you know it's going to happen, you're anticipating, you're anticipating. And when he does it, it's just such a thing of beauty, man. The elbow drop from the top. There was a thing, too, when he'd work as a face where he'd like, he'd be getting his ass beat, getting his ass beat. And he'd almost like accidentally body slam somebody and they'd like pop up like all shocked and then run over and hit that top yeah. rope. Yeah. Yeah. That was great. I remember, like, even as a fan who was, quote-unquote, semi-smart, sitting on my couch, I'd still hit my fucking feet when that happened, you know? <laughs> yeah. Cool. Cool, man. Well, that's a good number 10 to come in on. I'm going to go back in history just a little bit and give you number 9, and that is the ICW, the International Championship Wrestling. Uh, that was out of Lexington, Kentucky, uh, down on Toronto Road, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, that was the Popo's uh, territory back here in Kentucky, a little bit over Missouri, Illinois, uh, uh, eastern Missouri, western Kentucky, eastern Kentucky over my neck of the woods. Uh, they traveled around. Um, and the Macho Man, I think he won that title in, in like, Nova Scotia in, in 1978 or 79 or whatever they put the title on him. And the Macho Man uh, was a champion of that. Uh, I think his interview says it was uh, March of uh, uh, 79. I could be wrong, but he won it in Nova Scotia. I think he beat Lanny Popo for the title. And then they started a feud, man, from there. And the thing I remember about that, the old ICW, they used to come to all these small towns, man, all through Kentucky. Like I said, eastern Kentucky, all the way down to western Kentucky, eastern um, Missouri, uh, southern Illinois. Um, they had shows. They had a TV show. They had a prime time. I'm going to talk about this a couple more times just so yeah, they yeah. down foundation now they had a prime tv spot on lexington kentucky station 
Um, so from uh, probably about the seventh or eighth grade on, maybe ninth grade, something like that, I got to see them in a prime spot. And then um, it, they dropped down, and that was right after um, the Memphis wrestling that came on. So we got to see some good wrestling up in this area on the, on the television tapings, you know. But then they got to, uh, they had an 11.30 spot and it, on a, like on a Sunday evening or something. So it kind of got whacked there for a while. But uh, when I went off to school, I was closer to Lexington, and we got it. We, we would get it twice. We had two different stations. They'd air it back-to-back -back because there was a Hazard Station and a Lexington Station. So you had two different times you could catch it, uh, the old ICW one. And um, man, a lot of times, we was the same program. We, we'd watch it both times through the weekend, you know, at, at the time. Because we'd still be watching Memphis, and by this time, we was watching Georgia and all that. But, yeah, they... Uh, the Macho Man, he, he, you could just tell he was going to be a star just by the way he carried himself in the ring. We was talking about the uh, Spider-Man movie, too. I remember, if you remember, we'll get into some names here in just a little bit. But he wrestled originally as a spider, too, when he was still playing baseball. So I wanted to kind of throw that in there. But oh. when he come to, uh, when he come to, um, uh, ICW, when they opened up and he was the champion, him and Lanny done a skewed. And and you just he was a, he had that good build you know he his voice wasn't as rhapsody but he would do those freak outs and sometimes you have to wonder what was going on behind the scenes uh, with the Macho Man back in those days they'd come through the beads and maybe a little bit of smoke would be coming out from behind them and and uh, him and Bob Wharton might be you know just weird stuff going on you know kind of deal a couple things real quick there at that time you know he's supposed to be the world heavyweight champion I guess he got caught borrowing a uh, stake from Kroger's down in Lexington and uh, some of them said it was part of an angle some of them said it just because they was all starving but I guess he had a stake down his sweatpants and uh, he was like living in a room uh, with some weights and his dogs and I guess just eating steak and building his body up because he knew he was going to be a star someday but um, I, I guess they kind of turn it into an angle that uh, you know he got caught shoplifting or whatever that's one of those things you hear about it's folklore now of course but just things like that man the the funniest thing i remember probably was when the whole icw thing was running and if anyone's out there to watch the icw back in bell they'll, they'll understand this uh they ran the angle all the way through and it was him and landy going back and forth and they did the deal where, and I'll shut up about ICW on this part here, Jeremy. I think you'll appreciate this because I don't even know if you, you if you ever heard about this. But I was watching the, the program with a couple of buddies, of course, and Lanny come out and said he had some proof that he he's he's got a big secret he's going to expose next weekend. You know, and he's going to bring it out. The next week he comes out and he says something along the lines that Randy Savage and him are, are brothers. And I guess by this time I don't know if some people are smartened up. Because uh, it's still so kayfabe back there, or if they just said, you know what, this is just a great angle, run with it. Anyway, they come out there, and uh, Laney says, hey, the Savage is denying it, of course. I'm the macho man, you know, I'm, and Savage, Laney's like, no, I got proof, you're my brother. No, I'm not, no, I'm not. And he comes out like the next week with a picture, and has a picture, I guess, of a. Uh, 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 Judy Poffo, uh, Leaping Lanny, and Macho Man when he was younger, right? Uh -huh. This is proof that we're brothers. And the Macho Man grabs the picture, and he says something along the lines of, we might be brothers through through my dad or something like that because your mother's nothing but a whore and my dad's fucking. I mean, not, he didn't say it that way, but yeah, the yeah. implication was, the only way I'm your brother is because your mother's a whore, you know, kind of thing. 
And so he took the picture, of course, and bashed it over Lanny's head. That's the gist of the story, but it's a hell of a good angle, man. You know, just one of those things that really played well out on TV for the local TV they had. But I think people would start figuring out, you know, like the miser was the dad and Lady Satan was the mom and the macho man and Lanny were brothers or whatever. But it, it was a good, you know, for that time for kayfabe, man. It was just one of those things that uh, uh, good TV for back in the day, man. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and if someone out there has watched it, that's, they'll, they'll kinda, they can let you know. Bobby got the gist of it right. <laughs> but it was good stuff man that was the old icw international championship wrestling yeah well and icw for those and this is one of the things i'm glad you're around because i you know i know of it as a legend and that's it basically icw was angelo poffo's uh fed it ran in opposition it was what they what what jim Cornette would call an outlaw show ran partially in against ron fuller hey ron how you doing buddy uh <laughs> Partially against Ron Fuller, partially against the Jarrett's. Uh, it did border up into the AWA territory, so it ran against Vern as well. And I believe it hit into another NWA territory or two as well. He was not affiliated with the NWA or the AWA, so right. he was really on the outs, and he managed to have a TV deal on the whole bit. Yeah. So yeah. And, and they ran for what? Six, eight, or ten years about or something, About right? eight years for sure. Yeah. Been, but I think about eight for sure. So, um, yeah, you know, I was thinking, you said, uh, towards up Burns territory. I had to be up in Illinois some. They went over that way. And then probably on the NWA side, they probably hit a little bit of uh, Virginia over there. And then with uh, the Fullers down there in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, they, they probably, they were they were considered outlaw wrestling back then. Hell, they went on the air one time. They had a list of people's real names. And they started reading them off. They were reading like uh, Abdullah the Butcher's real name and stuff like that. I mean, they, they, they did some crazy shit, man. They really did. I guess I'll just uh, go ahead and put this in here now before we jump to the next one. That said, they, they did eventually invade Memphis. They would go down there to when Lexington would run, uh, excuse me, Memphis, uh, Jarris would run Lexington once every three months. They'd do Louisville every Tuesday. But about every three months on a Thursday, Memphis Wrestling, Jarrett then would come through Lexington, where all these guys lived at and trained at for the most part, all the ICW guys. They'd go down there and buy tickets and challenge them. I mean, they would, you know, Macho Man was ready to jump the rail several times. They finally turned it into a, you know, to a working relationship. I think it's about half shoot, half work, because, you know, Angelo was going bankrupt by this time, where the company was or whatever. But one of the things I remember, they they went to Memphis, and he had a big fight with with, uh, Savage, Lawler, that was going to be a big blow-off thing. But one of the things they did, they jumped in on Ricky and Robert with Rock and Roll Express, and one of the first things, talk about hardcore, man, Macho Man put Ricky uh, Morton up on a table and pile drove him through the table. Nasty looking. I mean, you, you, you don't need to sell it, you know what I'm saying? But look who is selling it, Ricky Morton. The macho man is big and as strong as he was and outside the ring and puts Ricky more on that table. I mean, you talk about starting a, a heated battle when they did invade Memphis. It was, it was big business, you know. They pretty much were starving on one end of the, you know, of the outlaw thing. And here they are next, maybe even lost their TV at that point. I don't know. But here they are. They all jumped over to uh, Memphis and they're appearing on that show. And uh, you know they've been feuding because there's articles in the newspaper about it back then, too. And they run ads opposite of each other. And uh, they run their programs, and they have guys say, you know, uh, we challenge your champion, uh, the Macho Man, with $10,000 or what a no, and they wouldn't come down there and fight him, you know. Right. But it was all because they tried to get, because um, they was running like the AP Cole Center or the Ashland Armory or Pike County uh, Armory or something like that, you know. And uh, Lexington, when, you know, that was their home area, uh, they traveled out of to all these different towns. But when, when Memphis would come, they had, 
they do probably three or 4,000 people at uh, Rupp Arena because they shut down half of it because it, it holds like 24,000 people, 23, 4, something like that. So they shut it down, but but Memphis would draw, you know, every three weeks about three to 4,000 fans, man. I went to several of those shows back in the day. But, yeah, back to the Macho Man. So ICW, that kind of, yeah, it's just uh, really a lot of legend stuff now, you know, because it happened so many years ago. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Well, and that's, that's what I mean. It's, you know, those are those things like, I mean, we're kind of becoming you and I and Tex and everybody that's into this classic era of wrestling. We're starting to become historians because a lot of this <laughs> just lives just far enough outside of memory that we have to tell each other about it. Otherwise yeah. somebody's going to start forgetting. So yeah, I appreciate that you're here because you watched it on TV and that is some stuff I missed out on completely. Just one of those things, man. I just, just always being a fan. Like we always talk about, we're just wrestling fans who enjoy the professional wrestling business. And we get in here and talk about all these great guys, these great talents and these old territories and things. Let's move on to number eight. If you want to real quickly here. Absolutely. Uh, you can tell me a little bit about this because I've, I kind of got on this one here. You're kind of getting a three for one, in my opinion, uh, maybe even more than that. When you when the way I got it typed up there, well, you know, a lot of this stuff was from memory, just so people know. We type up our notes. Jeremy will send me something. Tex will send me something. I'll have something from memory first. Then I start going back to these notes going, oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. So sometimes you're getting a three for one on our top ten guys. Well, and number eight, I would title this one presentation. I and mean, we're going to wrap up his mic skills, his ring gear, yeah. and his clo- just the way he dressed on a daily basis when you saw him. <laughs> Macho Man... <laughs> He he had a personal style. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how much more you can say. I mean, the fringy jackets, cowboy hats, and uh, big sunglasses. That's a pretty bold look. That's a pretty bold look. Oh, yeah. And you stick a microphone yeah. in his hand, and you got solid gold. I was even just telling a guy the other day, even when you just saw him on the Arsenio Hall show back in the day, he was great. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, that's the thing, too. The, his style of dress, I mean, I've seen him come into the Ashton Army before in cowboy boots, tucked in a pair of sweatpants. This is all before Hogan was doing it, you know, in New York. This is, you know, late 70, maybe 81, 82 at the latest. He'd be wearing his sweatpants like he'd come from the gym in a pair of cowboy boots. Dead a winner of nothing but a fucking tank top on, you know, mm-hmm. and then had the bandana on and the damn sunglasses on. It's dark out. That's just the way he went around. You know, I see him in Lexington, and he'd go into, like I said, maybe the Kroger's or whatever. You'd see him at the park there. He'd be out there with his dogs in a pair of jeans with his cowboy boots, you know, tucked in, in a tank top, you know, out in the park doing running, you know, taking in just stuff like that's just the way he dressed. Uh, just that flamboyant, uh, that ring gear, just uh, when he added a hat, man, and a fringe and all that stuff. It's just such a look. And I, I as we was doing this, uh, a little bit of, you know, looking up things as we do on these podcasts, I saw one thing Mean Gene said that uh, that I guess the Macho Man walked up to him at the airport and said, "Man, I just can't really can't really take it much more, Gene. I, I'm not going to do his voice, but he said something to the effect that, you know, he goes, "What do you mean? He goes, all these people just coming up to me and talking to me, wanting autographs and pushing and tugging on me." And, and Mean Gene says something like, "Well, you know, maybe if you wasn't wearing, uh, you know, yellow cowboy boots and uh, <laughs> this and the fringe and the sunglasses, Randy, maybe in a hat, maybe people wouldn't notice you as much." He goes, he might be on to something, you know, but he was just so well known. But that- yeah, well, and he was one of those breakout guys too. Because I even remember, like, right around the time I started watching wrestling, and the big gaming computer in America was the Commodore sixty four. There were video games of Macho Man versus Hulk Hogan for the world title, and that was before Macho Man ever had his first quote unquote world title. 
Yeah. You know, right. I, mean, I mean, we can argue about whether ICW was a world title or not, but, you know. It was international championship. Yeah. <laughs> it was international world title, pal. <laughs> That's right, by golly. But, um, yeah. yeah, and then, you know, again, his mic skills, just his ability. He was one of those guys that, man, he could turn a phrase. He was, when he needed to be funny, he was funny. When he yeah. needed to be scary, he was scary. But you always got the sense, and I've said this before, he always looks like he's about to jump out of his own skin and whip somebody's ass. I love that. Yeah, that's that's spot on. That is spot on, man. Yeah. And we'll get to that one a little bit more down on number seven. But before we get there, I'm going to plug uh, real quick. I'm going to plug our Prime, okay? Absolutely. I, I'll let you do the ad part. I'm just going to read it. Folks, if you like Prime, you can get a 30-day trial free of charge. If you want to help sponsor the show, you're probably going to be hitting the Amazon button anyway. All you got to do is click a few more keys. Type in tinyurl.com backslash BB Try Prime. Again, that's tinyurl.com backslash BB Try Prime. And I'll let the professor here tell you a little bit about the benefits of being a Prime member. Well, the benefits are, depending on the market you're in right now, but two-day shipping was the standard. But now with some areas, you can get same-day shipping or even two-hour shipping depending on where you're at. You can get all your household goods. You can get you can get your groceries through them now. They bought Whole Foods over here, and so they're starting to get into that market as well. And that is something that is going to keep growing. You know, you get streaming services, which I think is probably the coolest thing that you get is the streaming services because, hey, Bobby, we're headed to Halloween again, and you know my favorite my favorite stuff to watch is really low grade horror films. Yeah. And if I can't find something, I just jump on Amazon. I go type in horror comedy on the um on the search line in Amazon Prime, and I find shit all day long <laughs> that I love. Zombievers, great movie. you got to check it out. Bubba, the, the Hillbilly Werewolf, that's another good one. <laughs> there is so much good stuff on there. But also, for people like us who like music, they got a streaming service that comes with it as well. Now, you can expand on it. You can get more songs for a little bit of money more a month. But even just its base service, there's like, 2 million, 3 million songs that you can play for free as part of your subscription. And Bobby, tell them again where they can try it out if they don't have it already. All right, you're going to hit the Amazon button anyway. Just type in a few more strokes of the key there. Type in tinyurl.com backslash BB Try Prime. All one word, BB Try Prime. And it'll just uh, help. Uh, not going to cost you any extra to do that. And anything you order from Amazon, it gives the show just a little bit of kickback from that. And we appreciate it very much because we appreciate you as fans um, and listeners, you know. So just try to help you all out and try to help our podcast go along here. So thanks again, folks. At tinyurl.com backslash BB Try Prime. That's right. That is right. Also, real quick before we get off topic here, but um, oh, you know what? I'll save this. I'll save this. Okay. You know what? Let's move on to number okay. s- number seven. Yeah. Right where you was talking about him being jump, like he had that look, he read jump out of a skin and whip someone's ass at any time. I think you brought it up last week. You said the word was intensity. And I have to say, that's it, man. From the entrance of that uh, pomp and circumstance music coming on, him coming down the ramp or whatever, when you heard that music, you know, he was just intense, whether it's been an interview in the back. Uh, uh, something they've already pre-recorded in the back, what have you, to the entrance music, you hear that music, him coming down that, walking that aisle, you know, and to the finish of that big old bow drop off the top, the macho man was very, very intense. And I think um, I can clearly say that's the way he was 24-7. He was just that intense. He was an intense person. Weight training, cardio, talking, 
all those different things, in-the-ring ability, the timing. You know, he had great timing in the ring, all because of hard work, because he was that intense to get that much better and be that kind of a person. He knew he wanted to be a champion, and he, the champion he was, you know, just intense. Well, and I've asked you before, was Macho Man ever out of character? <laughs> I didn't ever see out of character. <laughs> you know, I, I was going to say this when I was talking about ICW. The first time I met the Macho Man was I was about 15 years old, and he, he didn't come at first to the arenas. We just would see him on TV. He would do, it wasn't until probably about six or eight months down the line that he started doing the loops because he was a champion, and that's the way it was, and, and it built a house up, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was about 15 or so, and he, he was over in the corner there, and, and he was letting people talk to him and stuff, but he was just so intense. You wasn't real close to him when you talked to him, let me just say that. You're just a little 15-year-old fan. There might have been some 18-year-old. There might have been some, some 12-year-old, just a bunch of guys that loved wrestling, you know, so 12- to 18-year-old guys going, look at this guy. You know, he is the macho man. We've never seen one built like that in our life. And he's just taking answers, just kind of like talking before he went back back in the back, you know, to pump up or whatever, and um, just came out and right into the, from the same person he was talking to was right out there like the kicking ass, whoever he fought that night, Lanny or Rip Roger, whoever it was, they actually would have been fighting Rip because they had his partners a lot. Then all the way to, like I said, we told a story last week about taking the, the bathroom, wet floor bump in a bathroom and coming through a door, just that intense, man. I think anywhere you saw him walking down the halls at the corridors of a building or anything, he just... He was ready to go, man. He just, you know, well, you see him at the gym. He's, he just, I, I saw him come into the building one time talking to Hogan. I just happened to be walking by. I wasn't like eavesdropping in a conversation or anything. But Hogan was standing one way talking to someone, and, and Macho Man walked right up to him, and he, he just like, hey, brother. And they just started right in. It was just like almost like is there, it wasn't being recorded or anything, but it was almost like it. <laughs> they was doing it for film because I think he said something like, you see Hercules? We were supposed to go to the gym today, you know, or something like that. <laughs> and it was like, he was like asking Hogan. I don't know if they all came on different flights or what it was. I guess he was going to meet Hercules Hernandez for a, for a workout at the town we was in. But Hogan was talking to probably like Beefcake or something, and, and Macho Man just like, hey, brother. You know, it just started right in on Hogan, like, you know, didn't like, didn't like excuse me, uh, hey, man, have you seen Herc? Or no, he was like right up to him. Hey, brother, you seen Herc? We were supposed to go to the gym today. All intense and shit, you know. He ready to get that workout. I think he had a cup of coffee in one hand, you know, and uh, just, you know, getting lit up to, to go, you know, fired up to, to work out, man. I, yeah. I wouldn't think Mach would need caffeine, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it, coffee cup, it could have been water, it could have been coffee. I don't know. I just seem like he always had one, you know, around back there. Uh, but I'm with you. He's always high-wired and high-strung and, yeah. and ready to go. Intensity, intensity, intensity. Well, let's talk about his theme song, too, real quick. He never really yes. changed it except when he went to that kind of metalish guitar riff-heavy version of it. But he always came out to Pomp and Circumstance, which, of course, he borrowed from Gorgeous George. Yeah. And that's, that's where he got that from. When that music hit, you knew exactly what you were in for. Yeah. You knew yep. who was coming to the ring, and you knew what it was going to be like. Yeah, you know, we've done those. Uh, we've done the one podcast on the you know, wrestling uh, musical themes and stuff, man. Just like we talked about some of the top ones that we, you know, we hear that glass shatter, you know, since someone's getting her ass kicked and this and that, you know. But the same thing with the Macho Man. When you heard that music come on you wasn't at a fucking high school graduation you had a wrestling show you know and you knew what was going to happen from from bell to bell you know it was going to be some serious intense ass kicking by the macho man someone's getting their ass whooped when you heard that music oh they yeah walking across the stage getting a diploma <laughs> no that's you yeah they're the audience was perfectly trained. That was probably one of the earliest situations I can think of, like that and Real American, where the WWF had really started training the audience to music. 
Yeah. Um, you know what's funny to me these days, and I don't watch a lot of modern wrestling, but you know, I know that every time there's about to be a run in, they hit the music now. All I can imagine is some poor production you know, if, if we're in the land of kayfabe, some yeah. poor production assistant having to run up and down the hallways constantly cueing music like, Oh fuck, he's coming out of the locker room, hit his music, hit his music. Some poor yeah. some poor intern is gonna get fired, you know. Yeah. And that, that drives me crazy, too, you know, about wrestling. When they do that, cue the music, you know someone's coming. That's one of the elements of professional wrestling I miss. And it's not that I watch that much anymore. It's just one of those things used to, you know, if someone's in a ring getting their ass kicked, you would look, if you was at the, if you was at the show, you didn't have to be cued by music. You would look towards the baby face of the door like, is anyone come out here and helping this guy getting his ass whooped, you know? You, or you knew that, okay, they left him laying, no one's coming out. So you didn't have to have that music cue, but now when you're watching, and I know it's that big TV production and stuff, but now when you watch it, I just like that element of suspense, that element of surprise, man, that, you know, if, if two guys are in there fighting and someone jumps in and, and now it's two-on-one or beating the baby face down or what have you, I don't want that music playing and then seeing who's coming because you already know the person's music, you know. I just want to look up and say, oh, shit, here comes so-and-so down the entrance ramp. That's the, that's just me. I, but I'm a wrestling fan. What can I say? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> just, yeah, that, that drives me crazy. And that's one of the things I'm really excited about with Billy Corgan getting ready to do this studio wrestling in Atlanta again. Yeah. Um, I guess Cornette's going to be doing some of the color on that one. Yes, he is. And actually, they're going to be there uh, as we're recording this on Sunday the 29th. They're actually doing today and tomorrow. That's where we're going to be in Atlanta doing the studio wrestling. I'm really looking forward to that. I think it's going to be something really good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Cornette's going to be doing some uh, color commentary for it. They've got a lot of good talent at NWA, as we spoke about before. And uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what comes out of this because uh, they're doing two days now. We'll see what happens later. You know, But it's going to be studio wrestling, man. And, um, well, uh, I'm excited about it. Yeah, and where I was headed with that was back in the studio days. Yeah. You didn't get music when people were doing a run-in. And every no. match didn't end in a run-in, which I understand is the problem right now. But Yeah, because the people start looking automatically, and you mm-hmm. don't need to do that. You know, that's the thing. You, you don't have to have the match end with a run-in. You don't have to have people turn their head. They want to be seeing what's going on at the ring. And there it is. They left the guy laying. No one made the save. Uh, maybe there's an interview or a promo or what have you, and ask that, you know. So there's a fine line there is when you do a run-in and when you don't do the run-in. But you sure as hell don't need your music playing to cue them to come into the ring, you know. Yeah. You're either watching from the back or not. I remember, you know, I used to watch all the matches to learn uh, the best I could on the road. I, I don't know if I've even told this story on this show. I've told a couple young guys this. But um, it happened to me in Canada. Uh, I, I was watching a show, and uh, one of the promoters come by, and they said, Bobby, this match is hot. And uh, I kind of looked at him because I wasn't sure. I was thinking, oh, yeah, it is, man. It's going to be a good match. And so I kind of gave me an office to kind of come to the to the locker room door. And I did. He goes, you're, you're a heel. And, uh, you know, they're going to be doing a run-in and leave them laying. So you don't need to be seeing that. He goes, that's a hot match. You know, if you're, they're going to wonder why you're not. The fans are going to look back here and wonder why you're not out there, you know, because your friends are getting beat up. And I, oh, okay. So then when I went to Smoky Mountain, uh of course, you smarten up, and you know, a couple of years go by, whatever. Uh, I was talking, I was watching some of the matches, this and that, and I was waiting for the main event to come on, which is Ricky and Robert, you know. And um, I don't know if there's wrestling uh, bodies or whoever. Uh, but anyway, you know, Robert walked by his house show, like Beckley, West Virginia or somewhere, and, and they had a great uh, uh, armory up there, Riley County Armory up there. It was a great, I loved that facility. It had this great wrestling atmosphere. Uh, but he walked by and said, Bobby, it's a hot match. 
So if I'm with the baby faces, me and Tracy and Ricky Roberts all over there, and then me and Tracy sitting there watching the matches, and Ricky and Robert get cheated and get fucked and get, you know, and we're standing there. Everyone's going to start looking back. You can't be seen standing there. So they're right. wondering why the hell you ain't out there. So that's a hot match, you know. So when Robert walked by, uh, I didn't know the finish or anything. I had an idea what's this and that. I worked, you know, third or fourth match, whatever it was, standing there. And uh, he said, Bobby, it's a hot match. I just went back behind a curtain into the locker room, started getting my shit together because I know at the finish, you know, they're getting screwed, and I don't need to see it because people's going to wonder why I'm not jumping in or running to help my friends, you know. So that's one of the things that you don't need. I don't need to be back there uh, packing my bag and then some music hits. And they said, uh, you know, I won't back down. Comes on, I got there and start helping someone. Yeah, that's crazy. So anyway, that's enough of that old school lesson for you right there. <laughs> well, no, it's it's I, it's good to hear this stuff because you know yeah. most of us we didn't we didn't have that experience, you know. Yeah. Well, I like putting that out there. Yeah, no, it's cool to hear about that kind of stuff. Good deal. Well, let's move on to number six. Uh, I put this down because I wanted, you're the professor, I want you to kind of tell me about this. I put that this person wasn't just the valet, but she was an actual manager, and that's the beautiful and talented Miss Elizabeth. How did, when it, was he selecting managers then, the Macho Man? When We all know the story of him and her, you know, they, they've been married and this and that, but, but um Upon arrival there, wasn't he looking for a manager and as he chose her more as a manager than a valet? Is that correct? I believe that was the way it was laid out originally. Of course, you know, in, in real life, they had met at ICW where she was on air talent. Yeah. Um, and then she went with him after, you know, because the, the Jarrett's and Lawler bought ICW and kind of folded them yeah. into the company. And then Macho Man was hired away because he was a great catch. Yeah. But like everybody, you know, you got to hire my wife too. So yeah, they did like a, a thing. He comes in and he was a shit sucking heel when he came in, man. <laughs> and yeah. yeah, I think what the thing was, he was looking for a quote unquote manager, uh, and he just got got lucky and got arm candy manager as well. Yeah. Okay. That's why I want to make sure because I, I know eventually, you know, she's his valet or what have you. But she was the the coming as. They did all the searches. Who's going to? Who is going to? You know, is it going to be Bobby Heenan? Who's mm-hmm. going to be? You know, Jimmy Hart. Whose services? You know, and it ends up being. You know, of course, uh, he chooses Miss Elizabeth, and the rest is history on that because they ran angles off of that. I mean, how they ran the thing. We're going to be talking about several different things uh, on here, but uh, eventually they got married on a pay per view. You know, um, the Macho Man wedding, the Macho Man and Miss Elizabeth wedding took place. Um, so it went all the way from him selecting her as a, a manager through all the, um, I guess, what, all the George the Animal Steel stuff. Uh, him, I guess, uh, uh, kidnapping her at one time or something. Mm-hmm. To, uh, to we're going to talk about here in a little bit uh, some some other reasons why we you know love the Macho Man, but all those different little angles uh, that involved Elizabeth Man. What, like you said, you got some arm candy to work with, but uh, but also you got someone out there that she's just so petite, so beautiful. You know, she hid. Just like you said, shit heel, man. Just want to go get him. He'd pull her in front of him. Mm-hmm. And they're like, man, you know, you got your woman here, man. And they stop that fist from flying or that chair from coming down. And then as soon as they turn their back or he moves right away, glom, you know, blindside, pop, you know, whatever. And uh, just, you know, that's a good heel move, man. You know, uh, sacrifice your woman right there, you know, from going to uh, uh, open her ropes for her and stuff to, like, using her as a damn human body guard or whatever. That's just uh, heel prick stuff that, you know, gets Gets people hot at a wrestling show. Oh yeah, know? well, and and you know we t- we talk about this like with Ricky Morton, but Elizabeth could sell with her facial expressions. I would say as well as anybody could. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah, for sure. She was beautiful. She was sympathetic. Uh, also, she was petite. So anytime a dude was about to, you know, about <laughs> to land a punch on her, it looked bad. Like, like, oh my God, you can't do that. So yeah, think about that too. Petite. She's very petite. He's like six two and two thirty five, two forty. Just that odd look of like that's a huge. Just stand next to a normal human being and someone six two and two forty five like he was ripped. And then you got this little woman. I don't even know if she's five one, five two maybe. I don't even know if that. And then probably a hundred and one pounds if if over a hundred pounds. You know. So that's a huge guy standing. You know. <laughs> 10 or, 10 or 12 inches above her and outweighing her by 140 pounds or whatever, man. That's just, but he's going to use that just like a shield, you know? Oh, yeah. So, Miss Elizabeth, though, man, very talented, too, very talented. Oh, yeah, like I said, I she could sell with her face. She could sell as well as anybody. I mean, even when Randy Savage was a bad guy, that look of concern she'd get when he was getting his ass kicked was uh, you, almost, you almost felt bad for him for a minute. Then you realize what a fucking prick he was, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Yeah, and uh, I'm just going to do you a segue here, Jeremy. If you want to see some of her facial expressions, you can probably go on the YouTube channel. Oh, yeah. Tex, if you're listening out there, I know we're uh, – uh, Tex is uh, all, getting all the football list together of all the great uh, wrestlers that uh, used to play in uh, major college or in the NFL that become professional wrestlers, and um, I think we're down to number six on that. So some of those videos are going to be up in the next uh, four to six weeks from what Tex told us from down there in the boiler room. But uh, if you like um, – we we got a YouTube channel out there. It's tinyurl.com backslash BBBB video. You can visit that. There's a list of managers, uh, uh, legit badasses, all the beautiful women we've loved. I think Elizabeth's on that list somewhere that, that we did it very respectfully. No disrespect to any of the ladies in professional wrestling. We did the most influential ladies in wrestling. There's all these lists that we've done, and Texas compiled these videos. You can find them all at tinyurl.com BBBB video. And a professor disinformed me today. Jeremy, what was that number we just hit on our YouTube channel? We just hit 6,000 subscribers, so thank you, everybody. I, I'm glad you're enjoying it. Um, also, there are the comment section blows up in there quite a bit. I know you and I don't always read through it religiously. I know you stay off because of your blood pressure and yes. <laughs> I I read it just when I want to make myself feel crazy sometimes. But yeah, you know, <laughs> I do eventually get around to reading all the comments. I know text stays on top of them because you can go through and see where he comments back. Yeah. So yeah. And I know a lot of them are very positive. I just oh, yeah. uh, as we was talking off the air, I just I just don't have the time to do those things. I'm going to say this, though. I did this this week. Uh, I checked this on our uh, Apple uh, iTunes. We've got about 29 reviews of the 5.0, and we've got some real nice comments uh, from several of our listeners. And if you hey, take the time, wherever you listen to uh, the podcast, you know, go on or leave us a review. We appreciate that very much. Reviews are important for the podcast. I know we was talking about the tinyurl.com backslash BBBB video for the YouTube channel. We appreciate your comments there. Good, bad, or indifferent, it's whatever you want. We're just glad you're a, a fan or a subscriber of it and share it for us. The same thing with the iTunes. Go on there. We've got uh, several here in the last two weeks, we've got uh, two more five-star ratings with some really nice comments on those, and I appreciate it. If you want me to interact with you, the best thing to do, honestly, is to hit me up on Twitter at BobbyBlaze744. I know that uh, Jeremy's at the Geekish Cast. I know there's a Bell to Bell Blaze podcast. It's actually at Bell to Bell Blaze on Twitter. When I'm on there, you'll see me sign my name Bobby. Otherwise, the professor there takes care of that. But you can hit me up. That's the easiest way. And sometimes text 
will do it. Sometimes the professor here will do it. They'll 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 screenshot me a nice comment from someone that's left it on one of the YouTube comments, and I do appreciate those. I just don't go take the time to read them. I just appreciate you contacting me on Twitter and keeping it all good and good vibes only. You know what I'm saying? So hit me up at Bobby Blaze 744. We can have some time on there to discuss uh, your future top 10 list. You might want to hear something about because we've taken from the fans or just something about this podcast. You're like, man, you know, I really dug the story about the Macho Man, or you know, I really like how your professor starting to gel together on them podcasts. You know, things like that, man. So uh, that's just easy. That's my only social media by choice for now. Um, that's all I have the time to maintain, and that's all my nerves can take, to be honest with you. <laughs> so anyway. Uh, nope. Back that... to the YouTube. It's going really good. We've got 6,000 subscribers, like the professor just now said. But it's at tinyurl.com, BB, BB video, and that's the Bell to Bell Bobby Blaze podcast on YouTube. Yes. Uh, go check us out. Make sure you like, share, and subscribe if you want to. I yes. mean, you know, I guess the thing to do is, um, you know, you always ask for the sell. So, uh, go on iTunes, like, share, subscribe, leave a five star rating, tell your friends, go on, um, YouTube, like, share, subscribe, put it on your Facebook, put it on your Twitter. Let's help, help us get the word out, guys. That's what we're asking for. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe we'll find a way to make it worth your while by continuing to make some awesome shows with good content for you. And I know you've got some, you and Tex have got a couple of good things planned for the YouTube channel. Um, I'm not going to give those away right now. Because um, you haven't mentioned on the air yet, have you? Uh, no, about but we, one? we could talk about that one real quick. Okay. Since the script is done and I just need to record it, then you and I just need to listen to it and talk about it real quick. But, yeah. Um, Tex has written a really nice little mini documentary about uh, pro wrestling's relationship to West Texas. Yeah. And all the people that came out of the university there, you know, and you know, I'm going to love talking about this because Tully Blanchard's one of them. <laughs> of course. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to that too because I haven't seen the script, nor do I want to, because I want to get it when it's finished and I want to look at it and I want to talk to the professor as we talk it through because I like that element of surprise. So Tex has written it. Uh, the professor of his great voice over there is going to record it, and I'm and I'm sure Tex will put some stuff behind it there, the, the graphics and things. I'm sure it'll be really, really good for the YouTube channel. I'm looking forward to it as a wrestling fan and also a West Texas fan. All the guys that come out of West Texas State and just the state of that area of Texas, you know. Mm-hmm. So it, I'm sure it's going to be awesome, man. Oh. We've got a couple other things planned, too, but that's going to be our first one, I believe. Yep, and that's just a matter, you know, this is us testing it out, and this is just yeah. something we're going to try to do as a – YouTube specific piece of content, uh, just to see if you guys like it. I think you will. Yeah, um, but that's my goal is to have that all read this week. And then Tex is going to be busy. So as soon as he gets it together, then Bobby can watch it. Then we can do our follow up commentary. Yep. Yeah. Sounds great, man. Sounds great. Anyway, that's that, uh, BB, BB video. That's where you find us out on YouTube. With yes, that sir. said, let's move on to number five, Jeremy. So you've told the story before, and I can't remember who it was that asked me. He, he says to somebody, hey, kid, you know why I am the world champion? You remember telling the story, Bobby? <laughs> <laughs> and the guy goes, because you're the best in the world. He goes, nope, because my dad owns the company. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good, man. Oh, man. Yeah, that's a good one. Well, we put down here um, ICW champion. We talked about that a little bit earlier, too. Do uh, you care if I change it up just a little bit? No, no, go right ahead. I don't think his dad owned this company, but when he got there, he also became, uh, in WWF, he became the IC champ. Isn't there a correlation between that? 
What, um, yeah, what the let's see International here. Championship Wrestler. You're the International Championship Wrestler, uh, champion, heavyweight champion, because your dad owns the company. But then, so that's worldwide, international. But then you go to Worldwide Wrestling Federation. So that's worldwide. And they've got what's called an Intercontinental Champion. So this man is a world champion several times over, man. We haven't even got to his WWF run or any other runs. But he's going from... Uh, international championship wrestling star, you know, uh, we mentioned earlier, uh, the Memphis, the Jairus buying him out and helping him out there to him making a leap up to the, the WWF because he had such incredible talent, uh, to go worldwide because that was had the most TV coverage again. They wasn't in Lexington, Kentucky on Toronto Road shooting in high school gyms and armories anymore. Uh, he wasn't working for Jairus, you know, doing those shows, which were great, you know, they had great runs, uh, one of the greatest territories of all time, uh, not just, you know, battling Jerry to King Lawler for his title. Now he's going to the, quote, big time, the worldwide, you know, wrestling federation, if you will. And he's going to get uh, there's a lineage there between, I think, the first one to ever have it. I could be wrong with, like, Pat Patterson, yep. maybe, for the uh, Intercontinental Champion, you know. So uh, now he's representing what a big stage to go from, you know, uh, small high school gyms, et cetera, to, uh, well, actually, like I said, uh, let me bring this up real quick, Jeremy. I'm going to steal a little bit of your thunder here because yeah, you yeah. sent note and I told you I was going to combine some things. Uh, we mentioned the Spider-Man. He wrestled under a hood at one point as a spider when he was still playing baseball. And then he was wrestling as Randy Poffo, and I think you said Ole Anderson gave him his name, that him and another promoter down in Georgia or something like, you know, uh, you you can't wrestle. You wrestle like a savage, you know. You'd already got the Macho Man name because the way he could smack the hell out of a baseball. And so, it, like, instead of Randy Poffo, it's like, you know, you wrestle like a savage. I can't remember who the other promoter was, but I know it was Ole and someone. And he became Randy Savage, and he put it all together. This Macho Man Savage. I mean, what a fucking gimmick that is. To now he's fighting on the world stage uh, of the uh, World Wrestling Federation. Uh, I know WWE now, but um, he was an intercontinental champ. Beat Cito Santana. So all those tie-ins, man. That's what we love the Macho Man. So did I hit anything wrong or right there, Jeremy? Uh, I know. I think you ICW, got it. And, yeah, and for some reason, I, I started with ICW, and I don't know no. why I read it that way, because you got it clearly labeled intercontinental. But And back when he had that title, that was really the workhorse title. That was the title everybody yeah. saw, because Hulk Hogan was world champion, and you only saw Hogan, what, once a quarter? Yeah, yeah. You know? There you go. And so the Intercontinental title was the singles title. That was the one to watch. That was the contested one. And back then, when you got a title, you held on to it for a while. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, we talked we, we, we talked back about uh, Harley Race back when he passed away. He had that Missouri title and things like that. Back when titles meant something, you know, if you had this title, the Missouri title, or the Florida heavyweight title, things like that, on those regionals, back when they had the region, those titles meant something. That meant you was probably going up the ladder on the NWA side of things to at least contend, if not become a future world heavyweight champion. Well, mm -hmm. the WWE or WWF or whatever back in the day, the same thing. They People worked their ways up, you know, and you had your world champion. and, and But right beneath that, you had an intercontinental uh, championship. And when you got that strap, you know, like you said, they didn't change titles a whole lot back then. But... When you had that, you was in contention. You're on the radar now. Uh, you know, eventually you'll get your run with, you know, Sarmatino or, or a Bachman or, or in this case here, Hogan, you know. And that was the whole buildup, man. You carried that title around because you're just, you're on the radar 
big time because you are a champion, but also you're probably going to get a title shot. And when it comes to Hogan, not that it didn't, I'm sure it did with Backlund and San Martino and somebody, all the other ones too, as far as making money. But um, I'm sure that, you know, when you knew you would get that good three or four month run with Hogan, you know, that was the pinnacle of, okay, now it's time to make some serious money because I'm on top making that run. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's, that's kind of the buildup of things. Uh, and uh, maybe I'm just preaching to the choir and someone knows a lot more about that than I do. But that was the kind of thing that made you believe, like, oh, okay, the Macho Man is the Intercontinental Champion now. That means it could be a month, but more likely it's going to be a good three or four month run with him or, or longer to when, okay, now the buildup is there, him and Hogan or whoever or, you know, in this case, it was a macho man. So, anyway, good stuff, man. I think you told me beforehand, too, he beat uh, Tito Santana. For Tito time, Santana, yeah. It's You know, I don't understand what happened to Tito Santana's career. Because he was hotter than shit for uh, for a quick minute there. And then yeah. then they turned him into a bullfighter for some damn yeah, reason or another. Matter. Yeah. I wrestled him, and um, I got a picture in a mag. Actually, one of those big... Uh, WWE encyclopedias. Mm-hmm. I've got a book I bought. Oh man, I bet it's been probably 20 years ago at like a, a books a million or something. Big hardback copy of um, uh, one of the encyclopedias, one of the earlier ones they come out with. And actually, there's Bobby Smedley in an arm bar, long blonde hair, uh, decent tan, uh, old black trunks and some black boots. And uh, the El Matador has got me in an arm bar. And um, I, I think I gave it to one of my boys. I know it's still here at the house, but it, it's pretty cool when you come across something like that, be at a bookstore. Rest, being a wrestling fan, I am, pick up a book and then see yourself in it, you know. Yeah. And I bought it like 10 bucks back in a day or whatever. But, yeah, I went, um, I think I wrestled him in um, uh, Toledo, Ohio, uh, maybe Fort Wayne, Indiana, somewhere on one of them runs when I was back doing the, uh, the TV uh, jobs for um, – uh, WWF back in the day. I told you the Flair story. Mm-hmm. Uh, Beat Piper. Uh, I think uh, Tech sent me to. Uh, we're gonna just just so you know the night that I wrestled. Um, I think it, I think it was Tito. Could have been Kerry Von Eric. Uh, either way, I didn't know it's because Tech couldn't find the footage of it. But on one of those two shows I was on, one of them was in Fort Wayne, Indiana. One of them was in Toledo, Ohio. That was the show, Jeremy. I know you don't. You haven't heard this yet, unless the last text did put it into a message to you. Uh, I was on that show. That was a show that Jake Roberts set the cobra loose on Macho oh. Man's arm. Yeah, I was there. I didn't know it because I was in the back. I'd already went out and done my done my deal, you know, or whatever. Because mm-hmm. you know, you TVs, and I think you did three or four hours worth of TVs back then. And some guys worked twice, you know, because I was doing. I was the one for the. Uh, the Saturday morning show called uh, Superstars of Wrestling. That's the ones I was on. And uh, But, yeah, apparently I was there. Um, I mean, I was there because Tex done the homework on it. But that was one of those shows where I guess they were shooting uh, whatever it is, Saturday night main event or whatever whatever they were shooting while I was there. Uh, that's the night that um, I guess Macho Man or the whole story about him freaking out about not letting the Cobra – you know, let it bite you first, and this and that. You know, he's probably going to poison them, or the the snake was you know still poisonous, or what have you. And uh, fuck, when that snake latched on, when you see that footage, man, I guess it just like really latches on to the macho's man's arm. And uh, anyway, good back to the Tito thing. Yeah, that's who he beat, but that's who I wrestled. Uh, so it kind of comes back to you as you start talking about these things. So yeah, ICW champ as number five, and. Um, just another reason we like the Macho Man or love the Macho Man. 
So and I know the timers went off. We need about ten more minutes at the most. Yeah, yeah, that's that's not a problem. Go, so. Hey, time answers to us. We don't answer yeah. the time. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's go on to number four, and this was yeah. a big deal. This was a big deal. Mega Powers with Hulk Hogan. They exploded together, didn't they? Yeah. They had two good handshakes, man, and it just. I watched that footage just the other day. I watched it several times back because I, I just I just remember doing that with so many people, like uh, me and another guy backing at each other, turning and shaking hands just for fun, you know, because we got it off of that. With them two, you know, just them the mega powers come together, man. Uh, Hogan and, and Savage, that's just the macho man, macho ma- madness, and and uh, what you're gonna do, brother? We already talked about those catchphrases. Oh yeah, put them all together, man. Now you got the full impact of the mega powers, man. So no, that was a big deal because you just—I mean, Macho Man had just gone face like in the last six months, I think, before winning the title. Yeah. yeah, before winning the title, I mean, they were kind of testing him out and seeing how he'd do. Then they, you know, let him go, and then when they put him and Hogan together as a team, I mean, we all knew it wasn't going to last because Hulk Hogan's never kept a friend very long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um. It was pretty incredible watching those guys. You know, and this is, look, Hulk Hogan was not a joke at this point in his career. Nobody was sick of him yet. Oh. And, you know, this was a big damn deal. And, you know, it kind of looked like he wasn't an egomaniac because somebody else was running around with the title. So, I mean, it was cool. But And one yeah. of my favorite things, and I don't know if you've seen this, but there's the gif of them shaking hands online, and it just says, you know, when you and your friend try shrooms for the first time. <laughs> I like that. That's yeah. Cool. It was, oh, it's man. a great one. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Mega Power. I love that handshake thing. I'm sure they could put a lot of good ones out there. I haven't seen that one, though, but I have to check that out. I can, I, I can imagine, of course. So. Oh, yeah. And um, a year or two back, um, Jay Lethal wrestled, I want to say it was uh, Flip, I think. Yeah, because he came out to the ring with... Um, with uh, Brandy Rhodes, so uh, it was, uh-huh. uh, I can't think of the guys. It was Flip Gordon or something like okay. that. Yeah, but um, as as he's getting ready to go out to the ring, Lanny Poffo walks up behind Jay Lethal and slaps him on the shoulder, and yeah. Jay Lethal immediately turns into Macho Man. Nice. So when he hits the ring, he's treating Brandy Rhodes like she's Elizabeth, and he's trying to go for the handshake with uh, Flip the whole time. It's it's some good stuff. See, it's some really that's cool why stuff. we're wrestling fans. That's good stuff, Professor. Good yeah. stuff, man. Good deal. It was good. It was cool to see and having Lanny there with him for it, it was yeah. awesome. Because then you know it's not like just some gag, but his brother was actually or right. You know, you kind know. of give him the blessing there and the uh, passing of the torch, if you will, mm-hmm. and also just paying homage to something that we're talking about the the mega powers. You know, that's that's cool, man. Kind of keeping it alive like we are. You know, exactly. And I know Jay Lethal is a very talented guy, man. Phenomenal wrestler, a tremendous talent in the ring, um, and and I haven't watched him lately, but I you know I, I do know he's. He's he's that damn good. Man. He is. He really uh, is. He is yeah. fucking incredible wrestler. Yeah, actually, name up, man. I know sometimes we don't mention a lot of current guys and this and that, but but we know they're out there, and we when we see something like that, and I appreciate you sharing that with me. Um, I may have read just a little brief about that online, but I'd forgotten it. That just kind of I was kind of getting chills as you tell me because I was picturing it in my head, man. That that's really killer. That's a good deal, man. So number, let me go to number ten. 
the elbow drop. Number nine, the ICW title reigns. Number eight, his mic skill, his presentation, etc. Number seven, the intensity of the man. Number six, Elizabeth as his manager. Number five, the Intercontinental Champion. And then also number four, the, the mega, mega powers with Hogan, which is going to take us to number three, which is when he became the WWE champ. Uh, way back in 1988, I think it was, Jeremy, and I think you had the build-up to it because I had to ask you beforehand. I said, who did he beat? And you, you told me to set up. Why don't you enlighten us there, Professor? All right, so I'm doing a lot of this from memory right now, but as I remember it, uh, as we were going into WrestleMania four, this was when Ted DiBiase was trying to buy the world title. And he got Andre the Giant to to win it and then sell it to him, and then I... Jack Tunney stripped them of the title, Andre and DiBiase of the title, because you can't sell the title, apparently. Um, so this I'll take my own. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, I'm sorry. Oh, no, that's, I mean, that's legit, because I'm sure yeah. there's been a storyline where somebody did sell it, and it went over. Um, so going into 1988, Macho Man wins King of the Ring. And the crowd had been starting to back him. The crowd had been starting to turn. And I'm sure the company had done this, you know, as much as anything else. But, like, look, the dude was a talent, you know. So as we get closer to Mania that year, WrestleMania 8, they decide there's going to be a 14-man tournament for the WWF Heavyweight Champion. And Macho Man goes on to win the tournament. And uh, it was a big, big deal because I remember I was arguing with friends, and you got to remember wrestling was hot at this point. Like you could yeah, talk absolutely. to your, yeah, you could talk to your friends about it, and nobody calls you a fucking nerd. And <laughs> going into it, everybody's like, "Oh yeah, Hogan's got it. Hogan's got it." And I'm over here thinking, "Well, Andre's got it." And I go, "But you know, I'd like to see Macho Man win. I think that would be." And then boom, he did it, and that was that was a big deal. That was awesome. Yeah. So that's WrestleMania four, correct? WrestleMania four. Okay. I want to throw this out there real quickly too. Back up one WrestleMania because this is not going to be our top ten. Like I said, sometimes you get those two for ones or three for ones. Uh, he had that big match at WrestleMania three with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, and it went down as one of the greatest wrestling matches of all time. It's about eighteen to twenty minutes, and it's just spot on every move from the. Ricky the Steamboat sinking those big deep arm drags in a Macho Man taking those big beautiful bumps for him, and it's just one of those uh, matches that just people still talk about today. Here it is, thirty years after the fact, uh, that you know that's one of the greatest matches of all times. That's at WrestleMania three, and it was the Macho Man and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, and um, not to give anything away uh, or to take anything away from the WrestleMania four when when he became the you know WWF champion at the time, but him and Steamboat had just known each move so well. Didn't look choreographed. It looked like these guys are in a struggle, and that's the way it's supposed to look. You know, mm-hmm. like fighting each other. It's a legitimate fight. So that match, I wanted to throw it in. I knew we'd get that in there somewhere. Um, just like earlier, I got the story in about uh, Macho Man, you know, power driving Ricky Morton through the table, you know, way before uh, Funk did Flair. You know, that, that took place like nine years before Funk, Funk did Flair at NWA, because I popped for that when I watched it. And not to get off on some tangent there, but here again, one of those two-for-one two things. So, uh, yeah, Randy Savage and, and Ricky Steamboat at WrestleMania three jump up to 1988. Number three was uh, when Macho Man won the 14-man uh, tournament to become the WWF World Heavyweight Champion, man. So now he's got the ICW Championship 
Uh, he's got the Intercontinental Championship, and now for all namesake, uh, he's got the World Wrestling Federation, or the biggest championship in the world at that time. To look, you know, it is what it is. Call it what it is for their TV and their 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 universe, the WWE universe. He's the biggest, you know, champion in the world at that point. Yep. From working his butt off from, you know, high school gyms, National Guard armories, to, you know, uh, going through the territories, to, you know, finally getting a break and, uh, uh, you know, damn near going bankrupt, I guess, with the ICW to where they get purchased by Jarrett and working that territory to when he gets called up to, man, what a what a megastar this guy is going to be, um, to become not only just getting a job there, uh, hiring a female manager, we talked about that, to, okay, now he's going to be the Intercontinental Champion, to, you know what, this guy's such a fucking megastar, he's going to get the strap. And he worked his way up all the way to the top of that. It goes back to one of those two things we talked about earlier. Number eight was like uh, presentation, mic skills, ring gear, and all that. And number seven was the intensity. You throw all that together, that whole package, and there's your fucking champion right there, the Macho Man. Yeah, and I think I've heard this, and you know, other people can tell me if I'm wrong or whatever. But Macho Man was one of those guys. He constantly worked on his character. You know, yeah. practice his mic skills. Got you know, he, he was one of those guys that probably you know read through one-liner books and looked for turns of phrases to use. And but the other thing he did was he went into each match with a plan. He knew every step of that. He was prepared for every match. And I have heard that he was one of those guys, like him, DDP, a handful of other guys, even if they hadn't like talked to the other guy, could go into a match and they know the other guy's moves, they know how to deal with them, they know how they're going to come. And, you know, when you're, the, when you're the heel in the ring and you're calling the match, if you're that prepared, you can put on a hell of a match. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. that kind of talent. And there you go, we talk about the ingredients of a cake. I always said they're like three to five, you know, you got your sugar. Uh, your your flour and your milk or your sugar, your egg, you know, uh, flour, those things. The same thing we talk about in wrestling. You got to have three or four really good ingredients and 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 five, you know, maybe. But the top three, you know, one, you got to be able to wrestle or to work, you know. And he was a he he could he could do stuff, you know, from the top rope to the way he would jump over the top rope, mm -hmm. the way he would catch one's head as he did the hangman, you know, coming yep. over the top rope. Uh, to the way he would jump over the top rope onto the floor, just the athleticism. So he had the work rate, and he had that fucking body, one of the greatest bodies. You know, he just just built. He wasn't. Uh, he was the macho man. He was just. In fact, I've got to say, you know what? He at one point he used to use the. Um, uh, we mentioned pomp and circumstance. Guess what? Uh, he used YMCA by the Village People at one point back in ICW, and he also used. The theme from Fame on a couple of videos he shot back at ICW. Oh. Fame, I want to live forever. He was like in Douglas Park in Lexington running with fucking con uh, cowboy boots on, chasing chasing a German Shepherd or something. They shot videos of that. But yeah, he came out. I'm getting on a roll. I got to stop. But yeah, he came out to uh, um, uh, Macho Man, I think, a couple of times by, by the village people, if I'm not mistaken, before he made the big jump. That's just, again, maybe someone correct me on that. But uh, I'm getting all excited about that. Yeah. Because... That goes with the body. He had the body, and he actually, you know, he had the mic skills. 
you said he may he might have looked through a book and caught out how to turn a phrase or you know catch a you know some some keywords here and there. So he had several ingredients. You put that with the intensity that he put into that, the work you know that it took to do that. So he worked on his presentation. There's an ingredient. He had the intensity to keep all that stuff up to have the training for his body, kept his mic skills sharp and kept his ring work sharp. And right there is why you got the Macho Man. Uh, you know why we love the Macho Man. You know. Yep. It's uh no, he was a he was a hell of a talent. I mean, there's just no two ways about it. Um, you know, we're gonna use this to segue into number number two here. Yeah. And um there's one thing one thing we haven't really covered, but there's one thing that you don't really need to talk about because everybody knows when you're dealing with the Macho Man, you do not fuck with Miss Elizabeth. <laughs> right. That's well documented. Yep. Um, in in real life and in the ring, you do not fuck with Miss Elizabeth, uh, except if you're if one of the greatest. Is. <laughs> if you're one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, Bobby, who are we talking about? Woo! The Nature Boy, Ric Flair. <laughs> yeah. Then all all bets are off if it's the Nature right. Boy. Yeah, he does whatever he wants. You know. Yeah. So tell us what he did, Jeremy. Well, so, WrestleMania eight, if you will. Yeah. So leading into this. Um, Oh, let's see here. It was going to be Hogan versus Flair for the title, and then Sid Vicious did something nasty to Hogan at Saturday night's main events. They pulled Hogan out of that, so now Flair had to defend the title against somebody, so they went with Macho Man. So then to get in his head, because, you know, Flair, he's the dirtiest player in the game. Right, yeah. And, and he knows where to hit you to throw you off your game, put you on your heels, you know, get you, get you ready to get knocked on your ass. So yeah. he starts doing the old, hey, your old lady? Yeah, I, I had her first. I was all up in there. Matter of fact, here's some pictures of me and her. So he started showing this stuff in WWF magazine and all these things. And then uh, Kurt Hanning started getting on board with it. And, you know, Macho Man, he doesn't deal well with that shit. Right. No, so, he's going nuts at this point. Yeah, it's making him crazy. And then it turns out that Ric Flair, you know, pre-Photoshop days, <laughs> had been superimposing himself over Macho Man's pictures <laughs> with this. <laughs> Uh, that gets you worked up for a fucking fight, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so that started that feud that uh, led up to WrestleMania 8, is that correct? Yes, yes, it did. Got a good deal, man. So uh, anyway, before we go into number one, I'm going to do a brief rundown once again, just for those, uh, if you're catching the program late, we thank you for everything, for being a fan. Uh, number 10 was L. Elbow drop in the top, nine was ICW, eight was Mike Skills, presentation, uh, ring gear, et cetera. Number seven, intensity, six was Miss Elizabeth, we were just speaking about, uh, who was a sweetheart of a lady, by the way. Uh, number five, ICW, or IC champ, rather, uh, Mega Powers, number four, then became the WWF champion. Uh, then just now, rising up to WrestleMania eight, uh, Flair feud. We just now spoke about that. With that said, Jeremy, I'm going to give a quick plug and then we'll go into our finish here because we got one more reason and I think it'll finish up rather quickly. But before we do that, folks, just want to let you know I got a couple books out there. Uh, maybe you're familiar with them, maybe you're not. But with the uh, holiday season coming up, if you own a copy of one of my books, get one for a wrestling fan or a friend in your family. Um, you can get Pin Me, Pay Me, Have Boots, Will Travel, my first book. You can get that at tinyurl dot com backslash blaze book one the show gets a little kickback out of that 
Jeremy smiles, gives you that warm feeling, Jeremy, that you get a dollar or two. I don't know. And then I sell a book, and I'm like, oh, I look one, and I got a you know $2 check coming from Amazon. And I get a little warm smile, uh, smile on my face, man, and I appreciate it. We're all happy. And you get a pretty damn good book from what I've read on the reviews. So, again, that's Pin Me, Pay Me, Have Booth for Travel. You can get that at tinyrail.com backslash blazebook1. My second book. The Educational Wrestler. It's called I Kicked Out on Two, The Educational Wrestler. You think, Bobby, you don't sound too educated trying to do this ad, but that's okay. Get the book because if you called Pin Me, Pay Me is a first one. <laughs> I Kicked Out on Two is a second one. The two comes after, Bobby, remember that. So I Kicked Out on Two, The Educational Wrestler. You can get that on Amazon by going to tinyurl.com backslash blazebook2. And with that said, Jeremy, I spit that out there. Give us the number one reason why we love the Macho Man out of our top ten and all the sidebars in between on this episode of why we love the Macho Man. Okay, the number one reason we love the Macho Man? Because he was the Macho Man. What else do you need to know? Yeah. (laughs) That's right, man. We've given you all kinds of sidebars. There's probably been 30 different things in this top ten list. I like how we did it there. Uh, But, yeah. What is there not to like? He was the Macho Man. Uh, rest in peace, rated the Macho Man, Savage Man. We just gave you our top ten reasons. We hope you like them. Uh, you can follow Jeremy on Twitter at the Geekish Cast. You can follow a joint account on Twitter that Jeremy takes care of at Bell to Bell Blaze. You can follow me on Twitter at Bobby Blaze Seven Forty Four. I look forward to hearing from you. We hope you like this show. Better yet, I hope you love this show. Go to the YouTube channel, hit the like and subscribe button there, and share. Uh, you know, share it on YouTube. Uh, I know there's a Facebook uh, out there. Share it on there if you want to, and then also hit us up on Twitter and share. You know, retweet whatever you want to do. We just hope you like this list. I know I had. Fun with it because Macho Man uh, in my heart of hearts is one of my all-time favorite wrestlers. You know, I don't say he's in my top five or ten all the time, but he's one of those guys that's just always like, man, uh, such an influence in my career without being influential on it, if that makes sense, because that's the one I grew up watching. It's kind of like we talked about me and Lawler when I was talking to Booking the Territory the other day. Someone you grew up watching, you know, then you're getting in a ring with them. The Macho Man was someone I admired uh, from afar on a TV set to see him at the local buildings to finally getting to work in the same company he did. And you're like, man, you just know yep. this guy, you know, all, all those reasons that we'd love the Macho Man is because he was the Macho Man. Exactly. You know, Bobby, I don't do this every time, but I'm going to do a quick listing. This is going off of Wikipedia, so some of this may be questionable. But before we close out, I just want to cover championships and accomplishments. Okay. Okay, so we're going to go NWA Mid-America Continental Wrestling Association, AWA Southern Heavyweight Champion twice, CWA International Heavyweight Champion once, NWA Mid-America Heavyweight Champion three times, Grand Prix, GPW International Heavyweight Champion twice, Gulf Coast Championship Wrestling, NWA Gulf Coast Tag Team Champion one time with Lanny Poffo. ICW champion three times. I believe every time he won it from his brother, though, but, you know, yeah. whatever. <clears throat> My dad owns a promotion. <laughs> yeah. Um, Pro Wrestling Illustrated, Comeback of the Year, 1995. Feud of the Year, 1997, with Diamond Dallas Page. Match of the Year, 1987. Care to guess who? Ricky Steamboat. Probably one of the best modern wrestling matches of all time right there. Yep. If you have not seen it, go out of your way to go see it. Most Hated Wrestler of the Year, 1989. That guy could have won that award several years had he wanted to. The only reason he didn't is because he didn't want to. Most Popular Wrestler of the Year, 1988. 
Stanley Weston Award, 2011. Wrestler of the Year, 1988. Ranked number two of the top 500 singles, PWI 500, in 1992. Ranked number nine, top 500 single wrestlers, PWI years in 2003. Ranked number 57 of the top 100 tag teams, PWI years, with Hulk Hogan in 2003. USWA World Champion once. You almost held that at one point, didn't you? And you, you, beat, you beat one of their champs. That counts a little bit, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, WCW champion four times. World War Three winner once in 1995. Uh, WWC, I don't really like to talk about them a lot, but because this is Macho Man, we're going to go ahead and say he was a one-time WWC heavyweight champion. WWF, Intercontinental champion, one time. Heavyweight champion, twice. King of the Ring, once. WWF World Heavyweight Champion Tournament winner, obviously the first time he won the title. Hall of Fame, class of 2015 for the WWE. Hell of a career. Yeah, he should be in any Hall of Fame out there. That's all there is to it, because he was the Macho Man. Yep, he was the Macho Man. Well, Bobby, anything you want to wrap up with before we go? No, man, just people. Thanks for listening. Uh, Appreciate you being fans of the podcast, fans of the show. Uh, appreciate you taking the time to record it and edit, Jeremy. You are the professor. You bring up all the good stuff. And I'd like everyone out there just to please take care of each other. Keep all the good vibes going, man, and just uh, uh, show some love in the world, man. Just pass it around. You know what I'm saying? Like, think of that mega shake, walking up to someone you know and give them that mega handshake, man, the mega power handshake, and just say, hey, you know, it's all good, man. Just show some love to each other is all I'm asking you. Yeah. Uh, well, with that being said, you know, for uh... – for myself, Professor Jeremy Vomer, uh, for Bobby Blaze, uh, you know, I just want to say, you know, the Macho Man will live forever, and bye-bye, everybody.